All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And on the show with me today, I've got Caleb Bowen joining me. And if you don't know who Caleb is, well, that's because you haven't been on my live events on social media because Caleb always is. And from the get-go, I mean, it seemed like every time I was going live on TikTok or Instagram or whatever, he was on leaving comments, um, interacting, engaging. And so when he reached out and was like, hey, man, I'd like to be on the show, it was a no-brainer. He was going to be on the show. And I really do appreciate all of the listener support. It's kind of turned into a podcast where I can just help, like, the everyday hunter share their voice. And I love that. Initially, I was kind of worried. I was like, man, I'm just going to chat with a couple strangers. I have no idea how this is going to go. But now it's been my favorite part of the whole deal is connecting with new hunters, new outdoorsmen, fishermen, women. I mean, it doesn't matter. I just I just love connecting with you guys and sharing your stories. So I'm super excited about this one because, like I said, he is one of the uh, OG supporters, if you will. But uh, I'm pumped also because today I'm going to head up to central Missouri with some really close friends and do a waterfowl hunt. Hopefully we get up there in time to do an evening hunt tonight. If not, we will be staying at my buddy's family cabin and... Uh, hunt tomorrow morning for sure. So I'm looking forward to that. Hey, in the meantime, though, if you haven't already, please hop on biggamehero.com and cast your free vote for Hunter Lashinsky. If you need any of the information for that, it is all in the bio um, of my social media pages. Also, it is in the description of this podcast. And so just go ahead and click the link there. Go cast your vote for Hunter to win a five-day fully guided bull elk hunt as well as $25,000. Hunter's a great kid and I really hope that we can pull this off for him. So go do that. In the meantime, we're going to hop into this podcast. Like he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like we would be okay. All right, guys, welcome to the show. On the show with me today is Caleb, and Caleb has been, I feel like you've been on almost every TikTok live that I've done. I mean, you're always commenting, always engaging, and so when I saw your name come through, like, hey, he, he wants to be a guest on the show, I was like, yes, automatically, he's in. Um, so first off, thanks for being on the show, man. Yeah, no problem. It's my pleasure. Um, why don't you start out by sharing, I guess, with me and with the listeners, kind of your hunting history, how you got into the outdoors and all that? Well, really to start when I was growing up, I, I could kind of just live with a single mom out in the country, right behind a small town. So, I mean, obviously I was always running around with those little Walmart bows and the BB guns trying to shoot any kind of bird I could see. Yeah. I mean, the biggest hunting I did out there was chasing pigeons on the barn with a slingshot never got one but i came so close but um then eventually my mom met her now husband uh my stepdad and he'd been hunting for most of his life and he kind of taught me how to shoot rifles and then we kind of started hunting and it, it went to hunter's ed like we do here in indiana and i remember one story that all i always remember this because it was just like it was so out there and we're out there and for, we have two days at the weekend class. And the first day is all book stuff. It's all, it's, it was a boring day. And then you go out the second day and they teach you all like this field, like with rifles, bows, compounds, they even have a, uh, like a muzzleloader section, which is really cool. But then you go out to the skeet shoot and there was only one person there. And it was one person that everybody said was too young to be there. And it was me. I was the only person out of that entire class to hit all five play pigeons. Nice. And my reward two Kit Kat bars yeah. because they didn't expect anybody to do it. So they didn't have any medals. That was like the best treat for eight year old me. Oh, I bet. That's awesome, but, um, man. From there kind of just, yeah. I mean, um, I, I remember growing cool. up and doing that type of stuff too. Just shooting anything that moved with slingshots, homemade bow. I mean, we used to make bows out of PVC and rope and we would lob my dad's arrows and he would get so <laughs> mad because all of his arrows would be busted up 
or missing altogether. <laughs> um, and then we got BB guns and it was all over from there. Oh yeah. BB guns are, I still play with BB guns when I get the chance. There's, it just takes you back. It does for sure. So yeah, from, from there, then you, you grad or you finish Hunter's ed, knock out all five clay pigeons. And did you just know at that point you were destined for greatness in the outdoors? Yeah, you could say that. I mean, I've never really done much hunting where clay pigeon shooting really comes in handy, but (laughs) I mean, if I ever do, man, I'm on it. You're ready. Well, yeah. So what, uh, what are you, I guess, what would you say you're most passionate about then, uh, in the outdoor world? It's definitely got to be archery hunting. It's been a whole new world in those last two years. I've, I can't tell you how many arrows I put through my bow in the last two years. It's, it's an unreal amount, but I can never get enough of it. Yeah. And just that, I remember last year shooting that doe with my bow. It was, it, it was a feeling unlike any other. It was, I still get chills thinking about it. It was, <laughs> it was so special for me. Like your first archery deer and you're hooked. Yep. Yeah. I, I wish that you could capture everything. I mean, I know you can video and all that stuff, but I wish you could like bottle up that feeling as soon as you like hit the release, you know, it's a good shot. I mean, even before that, you know, as you're getting prepared, waiting for a clean shot, waiting for the deer to stop, there's something about like the adrenaline rush that you get from all of that. That's like no other. Yeah. It's like you said earlier, hunting in the timber happens like that. And that's exactly what it was. Three deer came in off the field edge. They were just booking it through the woods. It was that time of year. So I made sure there obviously wasn't buck following. There wasn't. And, um, at the time I was using a single pin adjustable and I never really like with how quick it happened. I never had time to adjust. I'm not saying I did this on like out of pure skill. There was a little bit of luck involved, yeah. but it's something I'd practice here and there as well. And I had to hold over. So these three, three deer came in. I, it was just like a pre hunt thing that I always do. I had like preset ranges for each like lane that they could come through. And the one that they happened to come through was 35 yards. And the way that my bow was set up, I knew it kind of shot fast enough and flat enough that I could just hold that pin just over its back and it dropped right in. I was just an inch above the heart, another inch lower. That rage would have sunk right through that heart. Oh, yeah. Man, the the single pin, like having to adjust it, that's something that I'm still kind of worried about. I've only shot one deer, and it was right under my stand. Um, since I got the single pin adjustable and I'm like, man, when I get, when I get zoned in, when a deer comes in, I don't think about a whole lot. I mean, I'm just like focused, ready to go. And I've got to remember, like it used to be, I had my ranges, right. And I knew, I knew like that patch of Brown out in the field is 27 yards or whatever. And then I would just use my 30 yard pin or, you know, depending on how close it was to, uh, to a pin, I would use my 10, 20, 30, um, all the way out to 50. And now I just have that single one and I have to make the adjustment. And I'm like, dude, I hope I don't totally botch it when a big buck steps out and forget, you know, cause looking at my site, I'm probably going to be like, Oh, I have one pin. That's where I'm putting it. And I've got to remember mentally, like make that adjustment before you draw back. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I will never forgive myself. Yeah. And I got, I kind of got lucky enough with how my bow shoots and my, the way I build my arrows is that what, like, say I set my pin at 20, it'll, if I have, if I'm shooting at 25, it'll hit in the same spot. Yeah. And just a couple inches lower at 30. But I mean, obviously, I always have the little locker undone. So that way, if I ever need be, I can get it. And I think there's only been, three times that I can ever remember that I forgot to change the pin setting when I'm shooting. I mean, when you're in the woods, it's a whole lot different, but it's something I'm really happy that I haven't done it often. The, the first day that I had my new bow and that single pin adjustable site, um, I launched an arrow cause I like got it dialed in. And I think the recommendation was to get it sighted in at 20 max out your pin, like height wise at 20 
so that you're good from zero to 20. And then everything else is just farther and farther out. And so I cited it at 20 and then it said, get it good at 60, take the tape, match it up with your two pin marks, all this different stuff. I get it dialed in and I'm like, theoretically I should be on at 90 when I adjust it to 90. And so I'm like messing with it. Surprisingly, I was hitting my target. I mean, I wasn't making bullseyes by any means at 90. I'd never shot that far before, but I'm at least hitting the block. And uh, I go out to my buddy's house because we always have guys night on Thursday nights out there. And I bring my bow, super pumped. I got out there before everybody else continued to shoot. Well, or was going to continue to shoot. And I forgot to take that pin off of the 90 setting and bump it back to 20. And so I put the target out there. I'm just like, draw back, thoof. And it just launches into the woods. <laughs> and I was like, what the heck? Like, it's already off. And then instantly, like, it was a half a second of like, what is wrong with me? And then it was, oh, what is wrong with me? Like, I forgot to adjust the pin. But yeah. that's been kind of in the back of my mind every time I deer hunt now. Like, am I going to forget again? Yeah, it's definitely one of those things that happens happens once. And it's always there in the back of your mind. Like, I can't let that happen again. Oh, yeah. What uh, what does it look like now that you're a bow hunter and like kind of hooked? It's your favorite thing. Are you the bow hunter that gives up gun hunting altogether, or do you still go out uh, during the gun season? Usually here in Indiana, we have a bundle that you get where it's a buck, two doe, and you're good for all seasons. Um, and usually, if I get the chance, I'll go out with a rifle, try and fill the doe tags in doing so. But this year, I just went ahead, bought the buck only archery just because. Where I hunt, the, the property owner doesn't want me out there during rifle season. And I can understand that. I'm not going to argue against that. Oh, yeah. And um, so I've just been out there with my bow. I, I mean, I can not. One of my good friends, hunting buddies, he's, a, he's like, rifle's almost cheating at this point. Because now that he, I've got him hooked on archery. And I'm like, I'm in, the, I'm in between. Like, I see it as kind of like a lot of people will talk about fair chase. And I mean. I've never shot a deer over hundred yards. Every deer I've taken has been within a hundred. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously there's the chance that they can smell you or kind of know you're in that area, but I see both sides of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I love archery hunting. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely love it, but I will never, ever give up rifle hunting. Like there's no mm-hmm. way. That's what I grew up on. And so there's something about going back to the woods. Like I just got back from Wisconsin. I go up there every year for their gun season and going and sitting in the same woods with a rifle in my hand, all the other hunters out there, like it just changes everything. Yeah. It throws the deer off their pattern. Yeah. The orange army comes in and ruins it for all the bow hunters, whatever. (laughs) I, there's something about sitting there and deer just like booking it through the woods all day long, or they like run and then they slow down in front of you, catch their breath, stop and get a bite to eat. Think they're safe. Um, I'm hooked on it, man. And I love going up there cause it's way colder up there typically than it is where I'm at in Missouri. And so then I'm like getting bundled up. I feel like I'm actually hunting, not sweating in the tree stand. Like I do early yeah. season archery here, but oh, uh, yeah, what uh what are the bucks like there in Indiana? I mean, I know that Indiana has been kind of a sleeper state for a while, but I feel yeah. like now with all of the hunting media coming out and like DIY people, uh people even just um I guess making public land more famous when it comes to archery deer hunting, mm-hmm. like what it what does it look like in Indiana now? And I've got to say there is a there's a drastic difference between northern Indiana deer and southern Indiana deer. I've I've seen I, I do my fair share of like looking around on YouTube and watching videos. And it seems like a lot of people down south almost seem to get the more like the main beams on the bucks are almost more mass, if that makes sense. It's like it's not like they're bigger, but you more commonly see bigger I don't want yeah, more more so bigger there's on southern deer. But then you go up north where it's it's pretty flat, and then you go out, there's all the fields, cornfields, cornfields, bean fields. And there's there's a really nice buck that I'm chasing. And 
I'm not saying that Indiana has small deer. It definitely it does, but it's like any other state. You're gonna have small deer along with big deer. Yeah. But it's it's definitely not an Iowa or a Texas kind of state. But we do we do there people have gotten some really nice bucks out here this year. Yeah, I've seen a lot of big bucks on social media coming out of Indiana this year. I think really when was it? I don't know if you guys had a front come through like over over Halloween or like the weekend before or something like mm-hmm. that, but there were a ton of deer that I was yeah. seeing posted and I'd check and it was Indiana. Um, mm-hmm. But man, it seems like a sweet place. So you said the Northern part of the state is more fields and crops is it, what's the Southern part. Is it like rolling Hills and timber? Uh, for, from my main experience, you're, you're, it's obviously a huge agricultural state. Yeah. But there's also a lot more national forests down once you get down south. Okay. And the geographical change, once you hit Indy, it becomes a lot more rolling hills, a lot a lot more timber than ag fields. And it's definitely cool to see that because I, I drive back and forth. Like I, I mainly drive along the uh, the west side of the state going from straight north of Indy to basically on the Illinois border. Okay. And it, it, it's, it's cool to see how the state changes as it goes. But it, there is a big difference between them. Yeah. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about this buck that you're chasing after. So, um, three years history with this buck now, and it started out. I had an old Parker bow back from like 2010, and I started out with that. I had outgrown that bow probably six years ago, and then uh, my stepdad had an old bow that we bought at the same time as mine. So I upgraded to that and hunted that property with that that first year. And it the way that that property is set up, there it's a, it's a cattle pasture. But when I'm hunting, there's no cattle. So the deer like to move in because the cattle are gone because they don't get along very well. Yeah. And um, I happened to come across this because uh, the neighbor, uh, my aunt's neighbor, yeah, I had went and talked to him once and told him about how I'd been hunting the last few years. And I ended up getting permission from him and really nice guy and uh started out there got a stand hung got a blind out that first year uh that this was one of the most heart-wrenching encounters with this buck um i'm out there really nice uh late december morning fresh snow on the ground it's foggy foggy as can be that deer walks 30 yards under my stand but i can't range it so i'm not going to take that shot I, he popped up out of nowhere. I watched him walk right under my stand, jump down into the bottom, and I, I just had to watch. And it was what? <clears throat> sorry, what was he the first year that you saw him? Um, he was a larger eight. Okay, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. I had only had one real good encounter with him, but there, he's from what I saw this year, the one encounter I've had, which was just another unfortunate series of events. It's it's been all bad luck out there, but um, I have hope this season. I, I think I, I've got a plan and it's going to change. Nice. But um, and uh, so after coming off that first encounter with them, I'm out there. I'm hunting. I'm changing it up because it, I've been doing the same thing and it hadn't been working. So I start working down into the bottom. I kind of start learning how the deer are working, and that, that's kind of what I spent the last year and a half doing. At this point, I've got cams out. I've got a few cam pictures of really nice deer. And last year, I think he was a, a larger 10. Uh, this year, I'm not exactly sure, but he is, he's a wide, wide deer. From what I was able to see, that he's, his main beams are well out past that, those years. Nice. So I, I've got a little bit of buck fever going. I'm excited. <laughs> do, you, do you get buck fever leading up to the shot or after the shot? Um, it's mostly after because when it, like, when it comes to situations like that, I never really realized the pressure on the situation. Like with the doe that I shot last year, I was cool, calm, collected until I saw that arrow sink into that doe's chest. And I was like, Oh my God, what oh, just yeah. happened? And cool, calm, collected. And it's how it's been with every deer. I've never been super shaky. I've never been unable to make a good shot. And that's something I'm extremely proud of is never like, making a overly poor shot on a deer. Yeah. And, but no, no, no over buck fever because everything usually happens pretty quick. Yep. 
Yeah, I think if we if we knew it was coming and we had a lot of time to think about it, like I watch those guys that are that hunt the big fields and the deer come out in the same spot every night and I mean they might be 200 yards away when they first see them and then like slowly feed towards them. I don't know if I could hunt like that. If I if I was watching a buck getting closer and closer and closer for an hour or an hour and a half or 2 hours, then buck fever might play a different role. But yeah, yeah like you said, where I where I'm at, it happens so quickly, you don't have time to think about it. And maybe that's what Maybe that's the reason I don't typically get it, but as soon as I pull a trigger or hit the release, oh gosh, I'm a mess. Yeah, and I and like you said, I if I had watched a deer for more than an hour, I think the longest I've ever watched a deer come in was about 20 minutes, and that was probably the that was that I took a hundred yard shot on that buck. I put it right in the chest cavity. He went maybe 30, 40 yards. That was that was the third deer I'd ever taken out of out of my 12 years of hunting. I have taken a total of four deer, one every three years. And it's Dang. such an odd pattern, but like I shot one in like, it was my fifth grade year and I shot one in my eighth grade year. And then I shot one my, no, I mean, I'm a year ahead or behind my bad. Cause I shot one senior year. No, I'm, I've got myself all confused now, but it's, it's an every three year pattern. It, yeah. It's so weird. Cause like, so do you just take the two years in between off now and you're like, I'll just wait to go out. <laughs> it's so tempting. It's like the two, those two years in between are so frustrating. This year has been, this year has been a test of my, of my patience for sure. Oh yeah. Cause I mean, cause I, with the last few years that I've been watching these deer, it seems like they all congregate out in this field about 300 yards away from where I had my stand. So I moved my stand down 150 yards down that long tree line as to where I had it. And I've had, I think, four deer now. Uh, two two different bucks come within about 30 yards of that. I mean, one one is a, one is kind of a, a deer that I'd take late season. I'm kind of weird about how I judge when I take deer. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I usually spend those first few months really gunning for that big buck. And, like, I won't shoot anything else. And then once it starts getting later, it kind of like lower the standards a little bit. Oh, 100%. And, and this one buck that's come out, I have him pretty well patterned. He comes out about 50 yards down my stand, walks about 20, and then feeds all the way back into that bottom that's 150 yards down the tree line. And he's on his right side. He's like a mainframe eight. But on that left, he's got a, he's got a club with a few extra points kicking out. And I, I like watching. I really do. It's really cool to see. And um, the other one, you can tell he was a bully deer. He was a mainframe eight, but just about all but maybe four points have been broken off. Dang. He walked out about five yards under my stand, busted me, and then took off back into that bottom. So what I've picked up this year is those deer are spending so much more time at the bottom. And I, I kind of moved down in there a little bit more as, as the year goes on. And uh, about the last time I was out hunting, I had one of the coolest experiences I've ever had while hunting. It was it like I didn't. I had the opportunity to take a younger buck, but I didn't just because it was the last day out. I had to get going back to school and just circumstance. The timing didn't line up quite right, but it was, it was extremely cool. Yeah, man. I, <clears throat> I'm with you on the, on the like standards change throughout the season. I've heard plenty of people like, don't shoot something on the last day that or don't pass something on the first day that you'd shoot on the last day. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I can, I can choose to shoot what I want when I want. And yeah. I definitely would shoot something. I mean, okay. I say I definitely would. It depends on the situation, right? Property that I'm hunting private land where I have full control over it. That might be a little bit different. Like I might lower my standards a hair, but for the most part, it's going to stay consistent. If I'm hunting public land, um, whether it's archery or rifle season, and I'm close to the end of season and I don't have a buck, forget it. I'll, I'll shoot a much smaller deer than what I start mm -hmm. out like setting my hopes on. And mm -hmm. anybody who says different, I'm not saying they're wrong, but I would say that 98% of hunters – hunt that way 
where their standards lower as Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just like dating, right? Like if you're dating, (laughs) if you're dating all your life and you're just trying to lock down that right, right lady, your standards are going to be way different as a single dude at 22 than they would be as a single dude at 45. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's just going to change. And I feel like it's the same way with hunting every season. Yeah. And like I said, I always spend that first good, that first like quarter of the season really gunning for just that big trophy buck. Cause I know he's out there. Yeah. I've seen him once every year and it's always a bad luck, misfortunate encounter. It's, but I, like I said, I, I've, I've got plans. Yeah. Have you, have you mapped it out or looked at it on the calendar? Is it the same? Is it within the same like couple days every year that you see him? Um, well, uh, the last two years, the first two years that I've been hunting out there, I was only able to hunt from about Christmas to the end of season, which is about give or take January 5th. Okay. So I had about that two week period to really hunt and he spent most of his time down at the bottom. Obviously there's a pretty good sign of them. There's a lot of scrapes and a lot of rubs down there. And I try not to pressure them too much because I know they have a good chunk of bedding that's right back across that creek. So I don't want to pressure them too much. That's how I see it. Yeah. But this year I've been out there since about early November and it's been a big change of pace on the deer. movement. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're only hunting there like late December through early January, you're probably missing 95% of the rut activity Mm -hmm. chasing. I mean, really almost all of it. Um, but the fact that you're still getting encounters with him is pretty impressive. Like Mm -hmm. encounters with mature deer late, early and late season. It's not impossible. I mean, a lot of people can get them patterned, but the fact that it's just like one time here and there, that's a tough part. Mm -hmm. I'm having a really hard time with this mature buck on the property that I hunt. I saw him a bunch last year on trail cameras had some of them really early season, like in velvet um, during the daytime. And then he just completely disappeared for a couple months. I moved a couple cameras like right behind my house. And all of a sudden he showed up. But I moved the cameras there right before the rut. And he came through and I was like, dang, I haven't seen him in a long time. I, had <clears throat> I don't think I've even seen him hard horned at all this year until a couple weeks ago. And I was hmm. like, geez, first of all, he's a tank. Second of all, he walked through within, like I have been within 80 yards of that deer. Now he walked right through my archery range. Like I have all my targets out there and I've got like a buck target, then a bag target, then a block target. And then another block target way out. He walked right in between them all. And I'm like, that freaking punk. Of course, it was in the middle of the night, but man, I just, I have been really, really struggling to see a mature buck during daylight here in yeah. Missouri this year. It's been rough. Yeah. Um, it, it's go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, you can go ahead. Um, has it been, ha, have you noticed a difference in? Like how many deer you're seeing, or has it been pretty consistent throughout your hunting career? Um, where I first started, deer were few and far between. I was also in that state of mind. I was young where the, anything I saw, I was going to take because it was just like, it was just that young factor. I feel like everybody kind of goes through that phase. And oh, yeah. It's definitely developed me as a hunter to where I really want to take those mature deer. And and then I moved out here where there's an overabundance of deer. I've seen, there. I think the most I counted one day when they were all grouped up was about 43 deer. And Jeez. it was it was just cool to sit there and watch. I mean, I, they never came within 200 yards, but just sitting out there and watching them, it, it was one of the coolest things. And, um, but it's it's definitely been a change of pace this year. Yeah. It, um. What what are your plans moving forward? I mean, is it going to change when you can hunt each year moving forward? Like, are you going to be able to target more rut activity early season, or is it going to 
is it going to kind of be like the second half of the season still? Um, hopefully next year I'll be able to get out a lot more because I'll be up by home. I, I won't be in school. I'll be working. I'll be able to hopefully get more access to land. I don't, I've only got really two spots that I can go out. On, so it kind of limits where I can go. But with the way that that property is out behind my aunts, there's a lot of different ways that I can hunt that. And one of the, one of the encounters I had, I actually had spot and stalking here because I had, I'd kind of watched them run from the opposite side of the bottom about 150, maybe 200 yards out. I saw them go down. So I kind of wrapped around, got up on a high point and kind of worked my way in to where I thought he would be. And I see him probably 50 yards away. He sees me obviously. And sadly there was no shot opportunity here just because of how thick it was, but being able to, but, being able to position myself around him like that was probably one of my proudest moments against that deer. Yeah, that's cool. I I have yet to spot and stalk archery hunt. Um, I find it very fascinating. I love the idea of getting out. My problem is I would have I would definitely have a hard time doing it on property that I hunt frequently or like private property, but public land spot and stalk hunting. Seems like so much fun, especially if you get like one of those stalker decoys or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like during the rut, you can sneak in on them. They see you. They come out ready to fight. Uh, I did a mini spot and stalk hunt on a doe here in Missouri. Me and my buddy, we weren't going to be hunting for quite a while. It was well before the rut. And I was like, hey, we're not going to be out on this property for a couple weeks. I'm fine with just walking through, trying to find sign. It's normally a sanctuary. We stay out of it most of the time. And we're just like, you know what? We're just going to do it. We're going to have fun with it, whatever. And I start walking, and I see this doe. And she's probably at like 60 yards or so on her feet. And so I just freeze. My buddy's walking like 70 yards through the woods from me. He sees me stop, and then he sees me just like, creep as slow as possible and for probably 20 minutes I just worked my way closer and closer and closer to this deer and I got gosh I wish I I wish I could remember now I probably got within 20 yards of her um, or maybe it was just outside of 20 yards but she had bedded down facing away from me and I was just like man I'm not about to try to shoot this deer in the back of the head and I just kept like slowly creeping, slowly creeping. And then I don't remember if an acorn fell or a, a squirrel was above me in the tree or what. But all of a sudden something crunched and it wasn't me. And she turned her head just the slightest bit, caught a glimpse of me, and she was gone. I mean, in a oh. half a second, I was like, I don't care. I don't even care that I didn't get a shot at her, that it wasn't a big buck. That was awesome. And yeah. I can see why people get hooked on it. Yeah, and that kind of reminds me of a day I had senior year. The people call like all my friends and family called me crazy for going out hunting in this weather. This is when I was still back hunting uncle's land, and uh, we had kind of let out swim practice early because I mean not many people showed up, so the coach just let us all go. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna go hunting because I really want to go hunting, and I go out there, and I'm maybe thirty yards into the woods. And this doe just comes running up, stops maybe 10 feet from me. It was, it was super cool. And that, that was just the beginning of the hunt too. Yeah. And the, the weather was like, it was kind of like a wet snow coming down. It wasn't like a sleep, but it wasn't a snow. Yeah. And I was out there and I don't know why, but I had like a certain song just running through my mind the entire time. And I, it became like a superstition now if i play that song in my head i'm gonna see a deer or something but um she comes in i'm like i'm trying to get my bow up because like i'm this close i may as well give it a shot but she takes off and then i just kind of because the way that this woods was set up it was real long and narrow along like a a, a service road for the uh the gas company that was up in that area and i kind of worked my way back through there and I see another deer. So I have to go out on the service road across this creek because it was so wet. I couldn't get through it. And then I come back. I see another doe. And she's maybe 40, 50 yards. Something I can't shoot at this point. 
and I'm out there. I see her. I kind of just sit there and I watch her do her thing throughout the woods. And, and then she kind of wanders off. I'm like, okay, I, she's gone. So I can keep moving. So I keep moving back to th through the woods and I get back to the very back right corner of the place. And this was still one of the weirder experiences I've had hunting. And I'm sitting there, I got to pee. So obviously I go pee on the tree. And then I look to my left 20 yards away there's this buck and a, a bigger six point really. And I took a shot because I had, I hadn't, I had the opportunity, but I don't know what happened. I don't know if I jerked the release, but I shot over. Thankfully it was a clean miss. I would have rather have had that than any bad shot. Oh yeah. But I, I still remember that hunt. It was, it was definitely one of the coolest things I've ever experienced. It's funny. I've got a terrible terrible memory when it comes to like remembering things that my wife is like hey I really need you to pick this up or I really need you to do this I can tell you I could take you to probably the exact location of every deer I've ever shot I could tell you how it went down how many yards away it was um, how many other deer I saw that day like when it comes to hunting even even waterfowl or rabbit or squirrel hunting like I can point out exactly where it all goes down any mm -hmm. important like adult things that I have to remember, it's not going to happen. I don't, if something happened to my wife, I wouldn't know how to get any of my money out, who I owe stuff to. Like I'd be in so much trouble, but, uh, yeah, she's like, it's so funny. You remember all of this information about deer. And I'm like, well, I, that's what I'm passionate about. I'm not passionate about paying bills. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who is? Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm the same way. Like I can have I can have some like meeting I have to go to for school and I like I'm told like a day ahead of it and I forget and I'm there last minute. But I'm out here and I remember exactly how my first squirrel that I killed went down. And that was oh god, that was probably back in 09. <laughs> that That's was so cool. What uh if, if you, I guess, do you have a bucket list hunt? Is there like something that you just have to do one day or, or hope to do one day? Idaho elk. Idaho elk. Why, yeah. why Idaho specifically? I think it's really just the factor that Idaho has always been one of those states I've always wanted to visit. And I've heard that Idaho, when the elk are big, they're big. Yeah. I don't know if that's really true or not, but that's what I've heard. And oh, they I definitely have big elk out there. Yeah. And I've, I've, I don't know. It's just one of those things that are Colorado just because it's Colorado. Yeah. Uh, but, are we talking archery? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I have yet to archery elk hunt. I have rifle hunted for elk, but I want him screaming in my face. And it's funny because I talked to I talked to a guy. We actually hunt his land um, in Wisconsin for rifle season. And he goes out to Colorado every year for like a month. And he'll either do muzzleloader or archery. But he doesn't call at all. He doesn't really? go out there with a bugle. He does sorry. He doesn't bugle at all. He'll do cow calls here and there. But he like crawls on his hands and knees and tries to get into the middle of the herd and wait for an opportunity for a big bull to come by. And it's amazing. He said, I think he was out there 30 days this year and had elk, <clears throat> uh, encountered elk like 28 of those days. And out of those 28 days, uh, I think it was like, it was either 15 or 20 days. He was in within shooting range of, a bull, maybe not a big shooter bull. And I'm mm -hmm. like, dude, I cannot imagine that. First of all, I'd yeah. love to have a whole month where all I do is chase. Oh elk. yeah, exactly. But to be that close to have that many encounters every day, that sounds awesome. Man, we have an elk farm out by where my grandpa used to, live. and they had a, they had a nice size bull out there and just going out there and just being that close to that big of an animal and hearing that bugle. Like that, I'm not even out in the woods. I'm out in the middle of a farm and I hear that. I'm like, oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Just to hear that again would be incredible. 
Yeah, out in the wild with a bow in your hand, like you don't even know where it is, but all of a, or you didn't even know it was there, and it just screams. Yeah, oh. miles hiking. Oh, I, I, it's a dream. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. I, I've always thought about those people that have like deer farms or elk farms or whatever. Mm-hmm. I would love to have pet deer just yeah. for the sheds. Like, yeah. can you imagine just pen feeding? Even if it was only one big buck, imagine pen feeding a giant buck protein and corn and minerals and then just having Mm -hmm. the coolest set of bright white sheds because you know when he drops it, you know, he's going to be in a pen. Yeah. And you just go pick him up. That would be sweet, especially for elk. Oh, man. Elk or mule deer. Caribou, Mm -hmm. I've heard that, like, once you get up into the tundra, you can get into spots where, like, uh, pilots will fly over and there will just be uh, caribou sheds littering the whole country. I mean, like, every really? 10, 20, 30 feet, there's just caribou sheds in these certain spots. That That's definitely another bucket for me. Like, I have family that lives up in Alaska. So oh, I'm going to see if I can get up there and go out there with them for a little while. And just, just to go out there. Because, like, I've always wanted to go to Alaska. And a caribou hunt, it's definitely, it's definitely right behind that elk hunt. That's, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, caribou. I want to see the migration. I think that would be the coolest yeah. thing. Um, I want to see, like, the big migration, too. I want to see, like, yeah. I want to get on a high point and just see a whole valley crawling and moving <laughs> with thousands and thousands of caribou. That, that would be a surreal moment. Yeah. Gosh. There's so many hunts. I always I always tell people they're they'll talk about like Africa and doing the safaris and stuff. It would be cool. I'd love to go yeah. do that. But there are so many things that I want to hunt in North America. Yeah. That I would have a hard time going anywhere else and paying way more money somewhere else mm-hmm. when I could just keep on pursuing things that I never have here or find yeah. the things that I'm passionate about and and put more time and energy into that. Yeah, especially considering that we have what like elk, moose, mountain goat. Mountain goat would be a really cool one. I actually just watched Stephen Rinella's, uh, uh meat eater episode on oh, that, yeah. and that was that that was super cool. And then you have your caribou, and just about everything else: mule deer, whitetail, sick of deer. Like, there's such a huge variety. How could you want to go anywhere else? Oh yeah, and and now like through meat eater and a lot of the other social media pages or, um like up and coming hunting platforms. We're finding out about all of these different hunts that I didn't even know existed here in the States, Mm -hmm. like seek a deer out in Maryland. I would have never known about that odd ad down in Texas. Like there's so many unique animals that in my mind, like, all right, the U S let's see, it's got bear wolves, elk, moose, deer, mountain lion, and small game. But there's like way, way more than that. And I think yeah. I think growing up um, east of the Mississippi kind of did me a disservice to really understanding how many species are available to hunt. Yeah, exactly. If you're an American, because, like, like you can you well, I mean, I think anybody can go as a non resident, but like if you live in America, you can travel and hunt dozens of game animals for really mm-hmm. not that much money. Just yeah. give up like soda or cut down your coffee intake or don't spend as much on new shoes. I don't know. Or, or going out to eat. Like, yeah. It's little stuff like that. Well, like, especially now. I, I mean, burgers are like yeah. 12 bucks. Yeah. That, yeah. That would have saved me like 20 bucks today. <laughs> but um, I, yeah, I had to make like an hour trip. I had to go get my food. It, it, I hate driving like that. But, um, no, you're right. Like you said, you go out and you can go to like Colorado. You can hunt elk, mule deer. You drive a couple of states north. You're in North Dakota or like Idaho, Montana, where there's there's moose, there's more elk, there's bears, mountain lions, like you said. And like I'm sure a lot of people think when they hear like North American hunting, they think antler animals. And then you go down south, like you said, there's the Audet, Oryx. Um, obviously, there's your, I don't want to say, fallow deer. Yeah. Yep. Those, those are super cool. Yeah, I, gosh, I just want to hunt everything. I want to just go one at a time. 
That's you know how fun that would be. It would almost be fun to never hunt the same species more than once yeah. until you've hit like every species that you can hunt in the U.S. Yeah, kind of like kind of like the North American Grand Slam that Chuck Adams has done. Yeah, like reading about that was one of the coolest things. Cause like I didn't know about it until about last year. And I remember going on a week bender, just reading about it mm-hmm. and going back and kind of like reading about each hunt, how it went down. I was like, I just couldn't get enough. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I envy some of those guys big time. Mm-hmm. I want to, man, now that we're talking about it, I'm like, dude, I just want to go do, go do something, spend a, a, every week in a different state, hunting a different thing. Or yeah, fishing, like it, fishing, fishing. I enjoy fishing, but it doesn't compare to hunting in my mind. No, no, I don't think it ever will for me. But I really, really want to go spear fishing in the ocean. Okay, that yeah, that. Would I mean, be that's awesome, more though. hunting fish than it is fishing. Yeah. But that holy cow, man! I've watched those videos. I I don't know how many hours I've binged spear fishing videos out in the ocean seeing like the close shark encounters i've got a couple of friends down in florida now that uh do that and i'm like dude i have got to come down hang out and even if i shoot one fish like that would be the coolest thing snorkel and yeah. fins and goggles on and you're just cruising around with this underwater missile heck yeah, yeah. and man there's there's so much you can do up around the you know up around the up around North America and you could, like you said, you can go around and you could spend years and never hunt the same animal twice. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a blessing really. Yeah. Well, and you see all these different like grand grand slams or super slams or whatever. And now they're doing it for all of these like different deer species, ducks, uh, turkeys. Like you can, you can do a grand slam of a bunch of different species not necessarily species, but maybe genuses of animals. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then you just kill each one of the species and subspecies within. But man, I just, there's a couple, there's a couple bucket list hunts that I've got and I'm sure I'm going to end up with a lot more, but I need to write mine down. Do you have like a list? Do you have a, do you have an actual uh, written or have it written down on paper? Cause I heard that if you actually write it down, the odds of it happening go way up. Really? No, I, I don't have them written down, but man, I could fill out a whole, I could almost fill out a notebook of things I want to do. Yeah, It's like, I could spend hours just writing. Like if I go on YouTube and scroll for 15 minutes or TikTok, or I can find something new. It's like, Oh, okay. Elk, elk hunting, obviously. Then you go moose hunting. Oh, seek a deer like seek one just did. And, uh, and then you go out and you see like, okay, now we can go, duck hunt i've never been duck hunting but it's always one of those things that oh I that's to a ton of fun and then you go like turkey hunting like this is going to be the first year that i actually like actively turkey hunt and it's like okay where where are all these different like kinds of animals that can i hunt here yeah do you guys do you guys have anything in indiana that you're really hoping to go out and hunt or do you guys have any um species that they're that they have reintroduced or are reintroducing? No, we're, we're pretty standard. You got your pretty much like, we don't, I don't, I personally don't know of a whole lot of like duck hunting that goes on. I mean, we have like pheasant reserves that you can go hunt. Um, obviously your white tailed deer, it's about the only deer we have. And then you have, I know a lot of guys do turkey hunting, um, rabbit, small game, or just, we don't have a huge variety, but what we have, I'm more than grateful for. Yeah. There's a ton of states that are reintroducing elk right now. And mm-hmm. I feel like I heard that Indiana is one of them. But I know, like, there's a lot of states around you that are reintroducing elk for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, and I believe uh, Kentucky is. Yeah. Yeah, Kentucky has a really good elk population now. Arkansas did it. Missouri's been doing it. Um, and there, I mean, there's just a whole handful of states all around the country that are doing it, but I've got a feeling before long, there's going to be elk hunting opportunities in way more states than there aren't. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that would be sweet because yeah. to see elk like thriving here in Missouri is awesome to be able to go down to Arkansas. Like when we go floating 
and potentially have an elk encounter down there. That's awesome. And the other thing that I've noticed with a lot of these species or a lot of the elk in these areas is they don't have the, the predators like they do out West. I mean, yeah, yeah, the the calves will, but for the most mm -hmm. part, like once they become a mature or a mature elk, they're not going to get preyed on by anything except for people. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's like the biggest issue that like the, the controversy out in Colorado with them introducing the wolves. Oh yeah. And then, like, I just recently read the media article about the out-of-state hunter that came in, legally shot a bull elk, but caught a lot of backlash from the, the local people in the nearby town. But it's like, I mean, not to get into all that, but... Was that the uh, one where it was, like, out on a on a rock bar or a sandbar in the river? Um, I'm not sure. I, it, I, from what I remember in the article, it didn't say, but he shot it within 10 yards of the of the public land limit out there. Um, I think, I don't want to say it was Cancun. It's not Cancun. It's, um, tell you right. That's what it is. Oh, okay. The tell you right bull. Cause he shot it and then it ran onto private land. He went contact DNR, did everything legally, but he caught so much backlash from that, from the people of uh, tell you right about it because it was a regular bull, which I mean, I mean, it's a huge, like a tourist attraction part of the state. So I can, I, I can uh, kind of understand what the locals see about it. How like it's a huge attraction for some people and then you lose one, yeah. but who's to say that one won't just be replaced next year. Oh, it will. I mean, that's the thing. Like if there's a big bull or a big buck in a certain area, they're there for a reason. And instinctually like the next big buck or big bull is going to end up being in that area at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, whether or not it's in the exact same spot or uh, for the same amount of time, who knows. But I tell people that all the time. I'm like, listen, if you shoot a buck in an area where you start seeing him in a certain area, even if all of those bucks died 10 years later or whenever new bucks show up, like they're going to, you can, you can almost pattern them. They like to sleep in the same spots. They feel secure mm-hmm. in the same places. They might use the same... Uh, low spot in the field to get from bedding to food or or bedding to water or food to water. You know, like there's something in each of them, just like people. Like we're going to take the path of least resistance. If, if you send people through the woods, they're always going to be looking for an easier trail that's not like straight up a cliff. They might mm-hmm. use um, a bench or a flat spot, go up to a saddle and – Animals are the same way. I think a ton of it is instinctual and not necessarily learned behavior or taught behavior. I don't think the does are like, hey, go bed right there because that's where my mom told me to bed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think there's yeah. just something innate in each one of them. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. It's it's patterning and learning how animals move has got to be one of my favorite things to do. That That's kind of like it goes along with hunting, but it's not something I do directly while I'm hunting. And it's it, just seeing how animals move and interact with each other. It's, it's just one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. I'm, I'm super guilty of being lazy. I think when it comes to whitetails, like I could do so much more work to really figure out the whitetails in the area that I'm at to, to ask the questions like, why are they going here? Why are they coming from here? Why are they doing it at this time of day? Or ch- like tracking weather patterns along with it. But it's hard when you have private land and you just know, like, if I sit here, the odds of me seeing one is going to be pretty Mm -hmm. good. Um, Sometimes I wish I was forced to learn the hard way instead of, you know, primarily hunting private land. Uh, And I think part of me wants to start trapping. I mean, I definitely want to start trapping, but Mm -hmm. I want to learn that the hard way and figure out what works, what doesn't. I've already got some bias because I've heard podcasts about it or watched videos about it, but to with trapping, you have to know animal behavior. And a lot of people mm-hmm. will say the best outdoorsmen are trappers. Like they beat the heck out of fishermen, archery hunters, even traditional bow hunters. Like if you're a trapper, you know, the outdoors, you know, animal behavior. And mm-hmm. I would love to have that skill skill set. 
And it, it's definitely one of those things that like, there's a lot of things that I've learned the hard way, like calling. I like, I recently just called in my first buck and nice. I, it, it, it was such a cool experience. Pulled him off a doe. I was in between two small, uh, small green trees on a little hill behind me. And he came in. I got a video at like 15 yards. I kind of watched him, watched how he backed it. It, it was just a really cool experience. And, um, but that goes like, goes back to, like I said, just being able to interact with animals and see how they move is just cool. But yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, learning the hard way has got to be the most effective way to learn. Oh yeah. Well, and you don't ask as many questions when everything happens easily, you know, mm-hmm. say you get up in a tree and a deer walks through and you shoot it. You don't ask necessarily, why did it walk through? Um, like, what did I do wrong? What could I have, what could I have improved? Um, whereas when, when you're stuck sitting in a tree stand and you're not seeing deer, your mind's racing and you're like, what's going on? Why aren't they here? Am I in the mm-hmm. wrong spot? Like you want to figure out where they're at. And so you might go and actually do the, do the footwork and walk around and look for deer sign, mm-hmm. look for fresh tracks, look for rubs and scrapes and, um, poop and everything. Mm-hmm. And that was fun this year going out to Colorado because I hunted a new place for elk and we really did have to figure it out all on our own, figure out where the elk were, why they were there. Um, we asked a ton of questions and I think we're going to be a lot better set up in the years to come, but same thing with elk. I had great mentors. They taught me a ton. Don't get me wrong, but they also mm-hmm. have their honey holes where it's super easy to go and find elk if you just sit and wait. Yeah. And most of all the archery, everything archery, just about everything archery. I don't know why I said that a few times, but we'll roll with it. Um, I, I've, I'm mostly self-taught or I've learned and I've adapted what I've seen. And I, I, I am extremely happy, but there's always more that I want to know when it comes to archery. Like my, my good buddy, I got him into archery. And if he ever has an issue or a question, hits me up about it and usually I can figure it out for him. Yeah. But if it's something that I don't know what I'm doing, I'm going to send them up to the, lo- the local pro shop. Nice. But, and the guys up there, they're, they're awesome. I, they're all really nice people. They're really helpful. I can sit up there and I, I remember I talked with one guy for about half an hour after they closed and didn't even realize it. That's funny. Yeah. I, I love meeting hunters outside of the woods and not on social media because Mm -hmm. it's really easy to talk trash and like disagree and stuff behind a keyboard. But I've never really had bad encounters with people as far as hunting goes. If we Mm -hmm. meet outside of the woods and are face to face, like you can find common ground with just about any hunter. But when you meet out on public land and they're too close to you or you're too close to them or they're upset that someone showed up or you're on social media and you say, Oh, I shoot this rifle. And they're like, that rifle cartridge sucks. You're just one of those guys. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. But yeah, people at local shops. I mean, I had that kind of idea that, Oh, I'm going to go into the archery shop, get into archery, ask questions. And they're going to be like, oh, you have to get this type or this type. And no, it wasn't that way. They were super helpful, mm-hmm. really yeah. polite, and I love going to the archery shop now. Yeah. I, there's it's... two of them here in my home or where we live, and they're both awesome. Yeah. The, the closest pro shop is it's about an hour away, but, man, is it worth the drive every time because yeah. the guy's up there. I can go up there, and obviously I'll do my reading. Like the new V3X, I'm, I am extremely excited to try it. Um, I love the new integrated site that that's going to be that's definitely something incredibly new and i think it's really going to help a lot of like the guys that go out west or the guys that are like kind of down south and they move a lot yeah and it's a real low profile um i'm just excited to see it and shoot it because yeah. i've shot the last three years of Matthews, and they've all been extremely good bows but i just haven't had the chance to upgrade and i think i'm finally going to do it Nice. Coming in 2022. Yeah, my buddy just got what did he I think he just got a VXR this past year and now he's getting the new Matthews bow. He was telling me about it la no, this morning. 
we went out hunting together and uh, he was telling me all about it. And I saw, I think I saw on my social media, it popped up like the integrated bow site and, mm-hmm. but I didn't really dive too much into it. I think I was just like randomly scrolling, didn't want to stop and read. I was just wanting to be entertained at that point. Um, <laughs> but then he was telling me about it today and I'm like, dang, I guess I really need to go back and uh, watch a video about it or learn more about it. So do you have a, do you have a, a strategy or anything crazy you're going to be trying this year uh, that you've learned uh, or heard of? Saddles. I want to try saddle. Uh-huh. I think, I think that would be a great thing to go try on public land because you can just throw up a stand. You can sit there, take it down, move on to the next one. And I've heard, I've heard of guys only using one stick to get up to a tree. Yeah, That's, that's incredible to me. Oh yeah. I've tried. I think it's intimidating for me. Well, because now that I'm in the middle of hunting season, I always talk about, Oh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. But I am a terrible procrastinator and I did it again this year. And then people were like, dude, do not try to get into it in the middle of season or once season started. I'm like, Oh, I can figure it out. I can figure it out. No, still didn't do it because I procrastinate. And, uh, I don't know. I need to set a goal. I need to write down a goal of getting a saddle, getting comfortable in it, practice hanging it because the mobility of it, that would be so awesome. Yeah. And I, I kind of first learned about it from Chris B. I don't know if you've ever heard or watched any of his stuff, but oh, I'm sure. It, yeah. I, I love watching his bow builds. I have watched just about every bow build he has on his channel back from when he was in, on team white to now doing the V3X. It's like, because you learn something new each time. And that that's what I love about archery. It's there's so much you can do and learn. And it's like, I'm, I, I think I feel like I know quite a bit, but there's so much more that I can still learn. And I want to learn all of it. Yeah. I just want to absorb it and be able to like be that guy. That's like, Hey, my bow shooting off to the left. All right. But like do this and this and this, and I'll shoot straight. Like, that's what I want to be when it comes to archery. Yeah, I would love to hone a skill like that. I feel like sometimes I'm kind of a poser hunter because I just regurgitate information <laughs> that I hear from other people. Um, but to have it, and it's funny, I say that, but in all reality, I took my nephew out this year and he had so many questions and I was surprised I had answers for all of them. And it was from yeah. experience. It wasn't just something that I saw mm-hmm. or read. Um, and the more you do it, the more comfortable you'll get, the more mm-hmm. times you have to sight your bow in or tune it the better you're going to get at it. Um, but Hey, we, uh, we're just over an hour now. I want to respect your time. And, um, are you, are you guys central time still? No, we're Eastern. Oh, okay. So yeah, like, you're, you're an hour ahead yeah. of us then. Yeah. You go, you go South about half an hour. You're in central You go straight North about 10 minutes. You're in central. It's, it's a whole weird situation. Oh no, I couldn't do that, man. That would drive me nuts being on the border of a time zone. Yeah. yeah. And we go like five minutes straight west. You're in Illinois, and it's like, huh, this is new. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, hey, I want to give you a chance to share with the listeners how they can find you, how they can keep up with you. Um, I know that's how we found each other was on social media. And so yep. uh if you want to share your handles or um yeah yeah um so for instagram and tiktok it's both the same handle it's uh caleb period d period bowen nothing super fancy um i'm not super active on posting i'm trying to be a lot more active on tiktok when i have something to post like i uh, i did a story time with my first art first archery deer definitely threw that out a little bit longer than it needed to be but it's just how i am when it comes to hunting um yeah i I like interacting with hunters. It's definitely a cool thing. Like I know I popped into your uh, live streams when you're stuck in Alaska and I, it was, it was just cool getting to interact with you. And then uh, I remember seeing when uh, your wife posted the video, like, and you didn't know about it on TikTok and about your podcast. And I remember I was like, I saw that and I was like, I'm following. And I've just kind of been following ever since. And it's just, it's been a cool, it's been a cool getting to see this podcast grow and just being a part of it's even better. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm definitely happy to have you on and I appreciate it. Um, and we're going to have to connect in the future. We, we'll have to get on a hunt together at some point. Yeah. Um, 
whether it's here, whether it's there, whether it's Idaho, archery elk, who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll get something on the books. I'm going to give you, uh, the final word here. So whatever you want to share with the, with the listeners before we sign off. Um, just whatever I wish I would have been told when I was younger. It's like some years are tough. Some years are great, but every year is different. It always gives you something to learn. If you're willing to learn, you're going to grow. If you're not willing to learn, you're stuck in that same mindset. You're just going to be stuck in that same spot. And it's like that with everything in life. Like I'm learning to be a mechanic. I have to go and talk to those guys that are so much better than me and just being able to retain the information they've given me and apply it. And it's it's something I've also in, um, what's what I'm looking for? Kind of, I can't think of a bit, kind of put into hunting and you just don't be afraid to try it. If it, if, you have, say you have a young buck out in front of you like I did on the last few weekends. Um, don't be afraid to try and interact with them. See if you can get them to come in, kind of see how they interact with others. Don't be afraid to just sit there and watch the deer. I, it's it's always cool to just sit there and watch them. It's just take what you've been given and run with it. Yeah. No, that's awesome, man. Yeah, you can never, you can never learn too much about the outdoors, about hunting. Um, about the animals that you're pursuing. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people I feel like spend a lot too much time focusing on like hunting techniques. When Mm -hmm. if you just spend the time to learn about the animal that you're pursuing, Mm -hmm. it's going to make you a better hunter. It just will, unless you, unless you fail to take that information and then, you know, put it towards hunting or move stands or, or, Mm -hmm. um, hunt certain times, certain places. But like I said, man, I appreciate you hopping on the show. Um, I'm going to let you hop off here and, uh, we'll stay connected and I'm going to keep following. Hopefully you connect with that deer you've been after for three years. Yeah, of course. It's been a, it's been a great time. Glad I finally got to hop on, got to share some information, what I'm all about. I love talking to other guys. If anyone wants to reach out, share some stories, don't be afraid to, I'm not going to bite your arm off. (laughs) That's awesome, man. Well, you have a great night and thanks again. And that is going to wrap it up for this episode of the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed that one. Um, I was looking forward to chatting with Caleb and I think it was a great episode. So if you guys are interested in being on the show at all, just reach out to me like Caleb did. Shoot me an email, send me a message on Instagram. If you've got something interesting to chat about, preferably like an hour of content, we will sit down and have a conversation. But I really have enjoyed chatting with podcast listeners and supporters and social media followers. It's something that I was hesitant about at first, but now it's one of my favorite parts is just meeting new people and hearing about their experiences um, hunting and fishing. So reach out to me and we'll try to get something set up. Also, if you guys aren't out in the woods or on the water doing something outdoors, you're missing out. Right now, everything seems to be in full swing. We've got late archery season here. We've got an antlerless portion of the firearm hunt going on right now. I know predator hunting is open, like bobcat even is open. Duck hunting is open, which I'm actually about to leave to go do. So, please, get out in the get out in the woods, on the water. Enjoy God's creation and chase after something. Hopefully you guys are finding success for those of you that are. And I look forward to hearing all about those stories and seeing your posts on Instagram. But until next time, always choose adventure and God bless.